in the squadron. They called him Bullets, but we call him Greg Kelly. Greg Kelly is on the air on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Uh, Merry Christmas, right? Thanksgiving. I went to uh, the Radio City Christmas something something Rockettes Spectacular yesterday. And it was pretty awesome. It actually really was nice. I went with uh, not a baby anymore, Annalise. She's three. And, uh, you know, it's something you do when you're a kid. I vaguely remember when I was a kid. I could not figure out what was going on. Um, she was much the same way. <laughs> she can, what's happening? Why are they talking? Why aren't they talking? You know, the soldiers come out and, um, why aren't they talking? But there were some really beautiful moments. They have like these butterflies that fly all over Radio City. Have you been to Radio City recently? What a spectacular place. I mean, man, you walk in, it's like the, I don't know, the, the hallway of the gods. It's just unbelievable. It's so big and gl- glamorous and old in a good way. The Art Deco. What's wrong with the Art Deco? The Art Deco. Uh, very, very beautiful. Sit down. Pretty good seats. Aisle seats. And when you first get there, it's like, oh, my gosh, are we ever going to get in? The line goes around the block. But the Radio City people, the good people who run that place, you know, from the security to the ushers, it's not their first rodeo. They know how to get, you know, 5,000 people in and out fast. So even though the line, like, oh, I, maybe we should go home. Uh, you know, three minutes later, I'm inside. Um, very nice. Uh, I, I was actually, that was possibly what I was most impressed by. The, uh, the ushers, the security people, the staff, just how, like, well, what a well-oiled machine. And then, you know, that you hand the ticket to the person, you know, uh, section L row W, you know, uh, by seat nine nine two one dash. Oh, you're right here, sir. <laughs> oh, thank you. Yeah, right here. These two seats. Oh, okay. It would have taken me a year to find it myself, but um, so that's all really great. Everybody, you, you just they glance at that ticket. Oh, yeah, they're you know, this way, this way, this way. Yeah, we'll sit down right here. I like that a lot. Um, I also like the fact that it was one and done. It was like whatever it was. It went fast, an hour and a half, no intermission. Right, no intermission. They got it. They got it. They said everything they were supposed to say in the time allotted. That was very nice. Um, nice music. Those rockets with the kicking. Although I had not seen the, um, what do you call it? The toy soldiers. They all fall down in a row. And oh, by the way, I was like, those soldiers look like men, but I think they're women. What's going? It's not a trans thing. I, th- I think they just kind of dressed them up as men, but they were all women. But it's the Rockettes. I looked it up. They, they, it's the women. The Rockettes double as the toy soldiers. And we walk around. A couple of things caught my eye. Not in a bad way. Not in a bad way. Not in a bad way. I just, I have to tell you though, I was a little bit, I wasn't taken aback, but it did get my mind going in a bunch of different places. Uh, Santa Claus was fantastic. Uh, Mrs. Claus was fantastic. Uh, everybody was great. Now, Mr. and Mrs. Claus happen to be an interracial couple. Yeah, uh, I just now, um, I would not have noticed it. I think what I 
I think this is the last time I notice an interracial couple in such a setting. I think what I will now notice going forward is when the couple is of same same race. That's going to be unique. That's going to be. Now, I know you could say, and by the way, I'm totally, it's fine. It's fine. Totally. It doesn't matter. Except when it's in the commercials and obviously it's being jammed down, you know, it just, uh, but this was somehow very natural, very, very, and very good. And by the way, when it comes to interracial, can I just say that, you know, and I don't want, maybe I won't. I mean, maybe I should let that marinate for a little bit. Mrs. Claus was great. Santa was great. Um, I, I, I guess that's the last time I'm going to like, you know, I'm going to like notice an interracial couple. I'm, it's just now, but I will notice and I'll be like, wait, what about that? Those two people are the same race. You can't do that anymore in a commercial or anywhere. Um, now it used to be, sorry, my lifetime, that was the exception, not the norm. Now it's the norm, not the exception. I, Whatever. I still think it's, I mean, culturally speaking, you're going to have 90% of marriages uh, interracial. In, I mean, intra-racial, right? And that's fine. That's fine. I don't think it's a race-based thing. I don't think it's race-based. Do you? Um, no. It's. Uh, I'm surprised. I, I think the marketing people have gotten a little carried away, right? But it's the last time I'm ever going to notice. I think that's it. It's like I'm just going to accept in public that's the way it's going to be. Why would I be well, – now, why would I notice? Why would you ever notice that? Is that racist? No, it's not. No, it's not. You can look up the demographics. It's rather it, – it, it's somewhat it's somewhat rare, but it's ubiquitous in advertising and entertainment. You see, right? But now I'll just accept that it's ubiquitous in advertising and entertainment and not necessarily in, in, in the lives of, of, of real people. Um, I think if they just let it happen, all this to say, well, not to say anything really, but I love them. I particularly love Mrs. Claus. I thought she had a great voice. And the other thing was, um, they kept Jesus in the show. Did you know that Jesus and the birth of Christ is very, very central to this whole thing? Christmas? Yeah, right. Yeah, you, you think? But even to the Christmas spectacular, I just thought it was about elves and not... North Pole stuff and the reindeer. I'm talking about the Radio City production. No, they go on and on about the Son of God is born in a in, in Bethlehem in a little manger, and uh, it's it's all very very beautiful, and it is beautiful and it is powerful. You know, I was with somebody uh, behind me. It's like, wow, I'm surprised they went all in on the Jesus part. Like, you think? Yeah, well, you know the way things are right now, and I'm like, yeah, I know kind of the way things are. Isn't that amazing? That it's considered a little bit edgy, a little bit countercultural to go all in on the Christ part of Christmas, to show that, to highlight that. Um, well, it has to be, it has to be shown, it has to be highlighted more than ever before. Because he is our great hope. He is our great hope. And he has been so by our fallen world, so marginalized, so oh, we don't want to offend anybody, so this secular world of ours. And I have a I had a friend tell me that a, they had a bad experience at church. So if you believe like all that stuff, men, women, mortal human beings will fail you every single time. They will. They will let you down. They will screw up. They will write. 
but the ultimate hope and salvation. He will never let us down. He will never let us down. Well, what about this? I I wanted this to happen, and it didn't happen. Well, just hang tight, because something even better is going to happen. And um, and if it doesn't happen in this world, it'll happen in the next. Um, all right. I just thought that was beautiful, and I did get a little bit nervous. Boy, oh, boy, maybe next year are they going to scale back on that? And too many of us, oh, by the way, just get our back. Too many, I'll say too many of us Christians out there. We only, quite frankly, give a damn about uh, Christianity when Christianity, when we fear that it, there's a there's a war on Christmas and all that stuff, right? Which there often is. Bill O'Reilly was ahead of his time when he started talking about war on Christmas. I remember on cable TV, I'm like, ah, there's not a war on Christmas. I can celebrate Christmas just fine. Well, he was right. And uh, it came. And now there's it, it's almost like they won. And I was one of them, too. I only really started talking about it when I felt like uh, my back was up against the wall, that somebody was hassling my my community or my church. But I day in and day out, I never thought about it, never talked about it, you know, only when it was under attack. And that's not good. You have to share the good news all the time. Uh, all, you, all the time. You know, all right, back up. You can't do it all the time. You can't, and you probably shouldn't. I mean, we're too busy. We have work to do, but we really should do it a hell of a lot more than we are. And if we don't feel moved, well, if we get in the good book and then you start seeing miracles, you don't want, you, you just, you just cannot not share it. You can't not share it. And, um, you know, one day I was down in the dumps about something and I started talking about my faith to somebody. And, you know, I was like, oh, gosh, who the hell are you to be saying this stuff? You don't, you know, and you you, you did that thing and you did this other thing. And here you are talking about, uh, but I did ask for forgiveness, right? I guess that isn't that the way it's supposed to work. And he died. Yeah, he died for our sins. I'm telling myself this as I'm at the same time telling somebody my, you know, the importance of faith. And then I started to feel a little foolish because I was so familiar with my mistakes with my past with the stuff that i have done and um and with that swear to god as i'm having like doubts about what i'm saying and you know but isn't this the way it's supposed to work and jesus died on the cross for us i lift up my eyes and what do i see a gigantic cross on the side of the road the biggest one i think i've ever seen and I was in the Bronx. It's the last thing in the world you're expecting to see. Well, I've actually seen this cross before. It's in that cemetery by either the Whitestone Bridge or the Throgs Neck Bridge. I think it's the Whitestone. And there's this great big giant cross in a cemetery. And uh, that's what I, as I was having these doubts, and I was like, well, isn't that the way it's supposed to work? Yeah, it does work kind of like this, right? Am I, do, am I getting it right? I mean, he died on the cross for us, right? And the forgiveness of sins if we ask for oh, gosh, I feel so silly. And I lift up my eyes and there it was. There it was. And you probably if you've been if you've driven around New York for a while, it's not the first time I'd ever seen it. I'd seen it in college. Um because he would go that way sometimes on my way to Fordham. So Christmas is still alive at Radio City Music Hall. And I hope it's alive in your heart and my heart as we go into what is going to be a nice and easy breezy week. Right. Thanksgiving. Wonderful. I know if you're traveling somewhere, it is a murder. It can be murder. And oh, by the way, if you are traveling somewhere, give the person on the other side. Uh, if you're flying a break, don't have them come and pick you up at the airport. 
take an Uber, take a cab, rent a bicycle, whatever you got to do. This whole thing about picking somebody up at the airport, everybody has to stop doing that. I've been saying this for years. It's funny. You get off the plane, and if the person isn't right there, the moment you get off, you know, you're in the terminal, somehow they're in the wrong, and you are the most vulnerable, pitiful person in the world, right? Because that your chauffeur, your loved one, has not uh, wasn't right there. What the hell happened to that church? Demolition of Middle Church facade? Where is Middle Church facade? The church also running a campaign. There was a huge fire of a church downtown. All right, figure that out in a little bit. It looked like it happened some time ago. Rosalind Carter is dead at the age of 96. The 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 first lady of uh, the United States from 1977 to 1981. She was married to Jimmy, Jimmy Carter. And uh, Jimmy uh, was the worst president I ever remember. Actually, right up until Joe Biden. He was so so bad the wimp in the yellow sweater that's what they used to call him actually on the staff there terrible absolutely how in the world that guy became president we have to study that anyway that doesn't mean any uh, Rosalind. i uh, i don't know much about her what did she champion literacy i believe uh that was good very attractive woman and um from plains georgia and she was, like, not into Plains, Georgia. She thought it was a hick town, and she could not wait to get the hell out of there. Hitched her wagon to Jimmy, and it looked like they had a very beautiful relationship, four children. You know, Jimmy Carter was only 52 when he became president. He was a young man. And now Jimmy is, uh, what, is he 100 yet? Uh, he's in hospice care, too. Anyway, rest in peace, Rosalind Carter. I don't have much more to say about her, do you? Um uh, I do remember her. I remember her being very beautiful. I thought she was very beautiful. Um, I thought Amy was weird. And I thought, look, it's a beautiful, long life, 96 years to travel the world as the uh, first lady. Good for her. Uh, Jimmy, you had no business being president. Uh, however, if we had not had Jimmy, guess what? We would not have had Reagan, right? And that is a beautiful thing. Be right back. Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Uh, yes, hello, uh, Eric Adams. I, I, look, I told you guys, I told you way, way, way early on, very, very early that he was a bum, no integrity, no intellect, no ability, just a, um, just a wannabe, just a camera hog, just a, and a deceiver. All right. It, it, the very essence of his campaign, the very essence of his life has been about deception. Uh, I'm a police officer. Why? Because he wanted to disrupt the police department, because he wanted to harm the police department. You can look it up. He said those things. He is uh, a very bad guy, very bad mayor. Um, And not for nothing. I mean, goodness gracious. He lived in New Jersey on Election Day. He lived in New Jersey. He got caught, but it didn't matter because identity politics post George Floyd. Everything black is beautiful. Everything white, everything Asian is uh, horrible and corrupt. 
But the real world isn't like that, right? The real world is, you know, there's good and bad in everybody. And, you know, there's also uh, some people, there's more bad than good. And that's Eric Adams, a lot more bad than good. Now, this whole fiasco of a budget and his, in a way, it's an overreaction. It's a total overreaction to the migrant crisis, which is a crisis brought on by him. Absolutely engineered, uh, not even engineered. That's too, that's too smart. That's too complex. All he wants to do, all he's looking for at any given time is attention. He just wants to be talked to. He wants to be relevant. He wants to, at any excuse to put on this suit and go in front of the cameras and now complain and complain and complain and announce these uh, draconian cuts, 5%, NYPD, below 30,000. Now, we didn't – and since when do just a few thousand people cost $12 billion? Let's take a look at this. Hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. Sid was on uh, the Fox and Fox News? Sid. Now, I know he's uh, – let's see here. Let's see what he had to say. Uh, here he is. I'm told he's giving it to Adams on Fox News. Prime time on Friday. Cut one, Sid Rosenberg. Sid Rosenberg is a WABC New York radio host. And Damn right. Now. Sid, thanks for being here. The impact, it's anyone who walks the streets of New York or rides the subways has already seen the quality of life impact. And apparently when it comes to the city's ability to improve that quality of life, you're about to see it get worse. Yeah, you are. You know, look, Will, first of all, good to see you again, pal. But I'm wearing a shirt tonight that says New York stands with Israel. And it's important because it pertains to this story. All right. Well, look, we know that part. Let's get to the part where he starts laying into Adams, if you don't mind. And we do stand with Israel. Oh, my goodness gracious. Can you believe how they uh, they they gunned down that Israeli soldier? She was a hostage. She made a hostage tape, right? They made a she made a tape and then they put her they gunned her down and they put her in the street. You realize this is like against every possible rule of law and rule of warfare. You can't do this stuff unless you are. Well, um, let's see a savage, a savage organization like Hamas. And that goes for a hell of a lot of Gaza. And the regular people live in there as well. I don't want women and children to be hurt, but the, the, the Joe Blow in Gaza, those guys are, are thoroughly corrupt. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Wow. Apollo 12 about to launch. Fifty-four years ago right now. I want you to hear something in the launch. Listen to this. It's about to be struck by lightning. That's our launched. Watch. Listen. Rockets going up. That was the lightning. What the hell was that? Can't see. There's nothing wrong. AC bus one light. All the fuel cells. I just got it. 
platform. All they got is GDC. Yeah. Okay, we just lost the platform, gang. I don't know what happened here. We had everything in the world drop out. Stop. I know it's hard to hear. But uh, that's Pete Conrad, the astronaut in Apollo 12, 54 years ago, right now on his way to the moon, about 30 seconds into the flight, they get struck by lightning. And they're talking about all the systems that are out. They can't, there's nothing working in the capsule. And they, the first guy's like, I can't tell what's wrong. It's just like it turned off like that. And they don't know what the hell's going on. And it's like, it's a really serious deal. Keep going. I can't I got three fuel cell lights and AC bus light, a fuel cell just in that AC bus overload running two main bus AC. Overload. I got AC. You got AC? Yeah. They got a real situation on their hands. All the electronic systems are screwed up. All right, now somebody comes up with a solution. <coughs> Pardon me. The solution is uh, we'll keep going. Twenty-four volts is low. We got a short on it at some time. I can't lose the phone. Well, call Houston. Try FCE to auxiliary. Over. Try FCE to auxiliary. What the hell is that? FCE. FCE to auxiliary. Stop. <laughs> Mission Control says, try SCE to auxiliary. What was the astronaut's response? What the hell is that? <laughs> you notice how complicated you ever been in the Smithsonian and you can look in the spaceship and it's got like a million switches and dials, right? They actually don't know what all those switches and dials mean. <laughs> they, they don't have it all memorized. They, they have manuals and stuff like that to actually look things up. So you're not supposed to know everything. There are some things you're supposed to go to the manual. SCE to aux. Some switch. SCE, put it in the aux position, and it's going to level everything out. It's going to fix everything. And some 26-year-old engineer on the ground. Most of these guys were in their 20s. The mission control people, they were very young. And um, he had seen a similar failure like two years prior. And like, yeah, try this. It should fix it. And it did. Guy's name is John Aaron. Anyway, uh, they went to the moon 54 years ago right now. Isn't that kind of amazing? I just find it so cool. Nobody ever talks about the Apollo 12 mission, even the Apollo 11 mission. You know what they talk about? Apollo 13, which didn't even make it to the moon. How about that, right? But they talk about that one. They don't talk about Apollo 14. They don't talk about Apollo 15. They don't talk about Apollo 16. They don't talk about Apollo 17. They don't talk about Apollo 18. They don't talk about Apollo 19. Wait a second. There was no Apollo 18. It stopped at Apollo 17. That was the last time. Now, fortunately, we're going back to the moon. Uh, maybe next year, and maybe, who knows, um, uh, next year or the year after, Baldwin native Jasmine Mogbelli, who's an astronaut who's in space right now in the International Space Station, maybe she will be um, uh, on the moon during this whole program. Hey, what the hell did Elon Musk say or did not say? I heard he said or endorsed an anti-Semitic theory, so I had to go look it up, and I, I spent like an hour trying to find out what he said, and... It was weird. He said, the quote is, you are speaking the absolute truth. But they don't show you what he's speaking, the, what he's saying is the absolute truth. Something tells me there's more than one way to interpret the tweet that he's calling the uh, absolute truth. And something tells me that it's probably not anti-Semitic. I don't know. I have not seen it. I'm trying to find it. 
I do know that, you know, uh, they falsely brand Donald Trump anti-Semitic. You know, when he says he can't believe that uh, certain Jews in America, liberal Jews, don't vote for him because he's good on Israel, that's not anti-Semitic. That's that. No, it's not. That's he, he, he's just marveling that sometimes he's more pro-Jewish than than certain Jewish groups in in the USA, and uh, it's true. You know, the uh, I think that's a, that's all been weaponized against Trump. Nobody is more pro-Israel, pro-Jewish people than he, him, and um, I want. I I don't know what the deal is with the Elon Musk thing. Uh, all right, Mike in Queens, yeah. Hi, Greg. In 1977, my family of five survived the Jimmy Carter, Rosalind Carter depression by the Democrats. Congratulations. We all made it well, through. We tell all... you what happened. The interest rates were 19 percent. My company moved out of America. The unemployment was 10%. I was unemployed for two years. Actually, I don't think the unemployment hit 10.1% until Reagan came in. But anyway, well, I, I mean, no, 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 look, he was a horrible president. Malays, you name it, he stunk domestically and uh, and overseas. Sometimes there's a lag, you know, the, the, the economic indicator, what they're lagging, right? They're lagging. So some of his screw-ups... You actually saw the manifest under Reagan. It's not Reagan's fault. But technically speaking, I don't think it hit uh, double digits under Carter. I'll check that. All right. So, yeah, he's a bad president. We know that. By by Iran, 50 hostages were taken. Carter couldn't get them back. No, uh, far more than far, far more than 50. Look, are you calling to tell me the history of all this stuff? Because I know it. I sh- or share it for time to time. What's your unique perspective on this, please? This is for the younger people to know. Well, I uh, thank you. They can look it up. I mean, I, 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 we. Uh, so you're just going to summarize the Carter presidency for me. Unfortunately, you're making a few mistakes along the way. You're getting the you're getting the unemployment wrong. You're getting the number of hostages wrong. Uh, so you know, I, I love you, Mike, but uh, you got to you know you can't just do this stuff off the top of your head if you want to educate the young people. Okay forget those numbers we froze he told us to put a sweater on yeah yeah thank you mike i know i know the malaise speech uh, yeah look he started this thing off by calling him the worst president ever now fortunately he's all gone all right i mean in terms of power he's the 1981s a long time ago that's when he left we booted him out of there uh, a landslide we haven't had a landslide like that since mike thank you lenny hello Hey, Greg, Greg, listen, uh, I called you about a year ago and you kind of dismissed me. I think it's so important that Trump picks a black female or a male. I'm going to dismiss you all over again. I don't like thinking about the world this way. I just can't stand it. I can't stand it. And it's not going to work. You know what they're going to you know, you know what they're going to call Dr. Ben Carson, who might just be the running mate, you know, the the black neurosurgeon, brilliant guy, HUD secretary. You know what they're going to call him? They're going to call him a white supremacist. You're not going to placate the other side here, all right? So it just doesn't matter. It, I, I, you know, we're better than that. It doesn't matter. And don't diminish the next nominee. If he is black, I don't want the person thought of as, oh, he was picked because he or she was black. So, Lenny, I feel the same way uh, that I do a year ago. Um, that's where I am now. How's that for consistency, buddy? <laughs> 
Greg, let's play the race card just like they do. No. No, I don't do that. I don't do that. And, oh, by the way, when you do that, <laughs> you lose. The house loses. Everybody loses. Let's play. Listen to you. Let's play the race card like they do. You do. Uh, just do. Stop, 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 stop. I, I don't. If you want to go, I hear this all the time. People say, well, we should do what the Democrats do. Well, that'll make us just like the Democrats. That'll make us just like the left. Not that I'm a Republican or anything like that. I don't like tokenism. I don't like any of that stuff. And I don't want somebody as richly deserving as uh, Ben Carson, and he is in the running. Oh, well, if he weren't black, that would, no. I think Ben Carson is totally worthy of that job and uh, could could help. But his his black skin has nothing to do with it. Remember, we were going to elect Barack Obama is going to eradicate racism forever. Where are we now? Thanks, Lenny. Talk to you in a year. <laughs> I just, uh, um, oh, wait a second. I wanted to uh, pick up on that. Uh, Obama. Um, can I play you something, please? Uh, this is from yesterday. Actually, it has nothing to do with race, but it's important. Um, you know that they decided not to charge Joe Biden with stealing all those documents even though uh, the case against him is so much uh, more credible, more based on the facts, what they're doing to Trump on those documents, the classified documents, which is the silliest case, he's not going to be charged. And there's this guy, uh, his name is Mike Turner, Republican of Ohio, who's fantastic. I saw him on the Face the Nation show, also known as Deface the Nation, Cut 20. Uh, here at home, the FBI director, I know, recently testified that foreign terrorist groups, including al-Qaeda, have issued specific calls to attack the U.S. How do you understand the threat to the homeland now? You know, this is very, uh, um, very unusual for the FBI director to so publicly make these statements. And certainly in these conversations with the Intelligence Committee, they've been on an unclassified basis. So we have the ability to talk about it. It certainly shows the extent to which uh, these threats are, are troubling the, the, the director. And what he's indicated specifically is that, you know, more than a decade, uh, the increase in terrorist threats to the United States inside the United States uh, is at its highest uh, ever. And Isn't that cites, interesting? Stop for um, a second. What does this do about the January Sixers? I thought January 6th and uh, white supremacy was the biggest threat ever. Now that we've had a dose of reality and we see what real terrorism looks like, the stuff that's going on in Israel, right, and uh, Hamas and all this stuff, uh, it makes our uh, obsession with January 6th and white supremacy seem so quaint and stupid. Keep going, Mike. Sites, um, you know, the, the chaotic withdrawal of Afghanistan and our loss of intelligence gathering there. Mm-hmm. He cites the southern border and individuals who are allied with international terrorist organizations that have crossed the border. You know, those are two Biden administration policies. So for the FBI director to cite those uh, where the where as, as yeah. threats, where the threats are emanating, certainly shows you how important these statements are. Uh, there's another one. Okay, we don't have that one. That's all right. It's supposed to go on a little bit longer. Actually, there's several more, but uh, that's okay. What he said was um, that it's obviously a two-tier system of justice uh, with Joe Biden not being charged. It's totally and completely outrageous. Uh, he needs to be charged for the document situation. And he actually admitted that the documents uh, – How long did he have those documents in his house? Listen to this. Cut 23. Two other quick questions, Mr. President. Classified documents. Um, It's clear there's a difference between the way you've handled this and former President Trump. You've cooperated with the archives, with the FBI. But I want to ask you about quickly about what you said last September. You said just possessing classified documents is 
you said totally irresponsible. So what was totally irresponsible about the fact that you had some? What they've informed me not to speak to this issue to any way try to prejudice the investigation that's going on. But what I was talking about was what was laid out. All these documents were top secret, code word, and all the rest. I'm not at liberty, and I'm not even sure. I, I made voluntarily. No one's had to threaten to do anything. Voluntarily opened every single aperture I have with house, offices, everything, for them to come and look and spend hours searching my home, invited them. Nobody... And so, and the best of my knowledge, the kinds of things they picked up were things that from 1974 and stray papers. There may be something else I don't know. But one of the things that happened is that what was not done well is as they packed up my offices to move them, they didn't do the kind of job that should have been done to go thoroughly through every single piece of literature that's there. All right. But, piece of uh, literature was there. You hear that? I had classified documents in my house since 1974. Therefore, it's okay. It's okay. Well, he was a senator in 1974. Senators can't bring classified documents home. By definition, a president can declassify anything, 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 anything. A senator never had that authority, and a vice president never had that authority. Trump does. He's the one that's charged with a felony. They're about to absolve Joe Biden of any criminal wrongdoing. This is a two-tier system of justice, which doesn't do it. I hate that. I hate that saying. Two-tier system of justice doesn't sound doesn't sound um, dramatic enough. Doesn't sound uh, egregious enough. It's worse than that. This is. Uh, this is a corrupt Justice Department that is owned by Democrats going after Republicans and going after MAGA. It's illegal, and it must stop. And it won't stop until we get Trump back in there. One moment. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Wow. To uh, to gain an audience, you know, at one point you had a really, you know, I don't know, be a really good singer or play an instrument or uh, you put on a production, acting, uh, who knows, Broadway show. Uh, these YouTubers, they do it, uh, you know, like literally having snot contests and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, who can uh, – it's gross. I, I shouldn't I shouldn't go into any more detail. Here's one guy. Apparently he's the biggest thing in the, on YouTube. I've never heard of him. He's called Mr. Beast. Mr. Beast. And um, – Granted, this is a unique little uh, little stunt he pulled. He had himself buried in a coffin for seven days, buried underground for seven days. Uh, they he actually did it. Now it was a special type of coffin. It's like a glass coffin, and I think they had you know air coming in and water coming in. And let's see here. <laughs> uh, uh, please don't try this at home. Uh, the guy has become the world's most popular and wealthy YouTuber, earning between 3 and $5 million per month in ad revenue due to his outlandish and increasingly expensive video challenges. These have entailed everything from counting to 100,000, <laughs> counting to 100,000, and having contestants navigate a Resident Evil-style laser maze. I don't get that. In his latest jaw-dropping, st- remember Evil Knievel used to jump uh, the Grand Canyon and, and jump all those vans with the motorcycle? That's cool. Watching some guy count to 100,000, is that is that 
<laughs> the social media sensation decided to get buried underground for seven days, a la Uma Thurman's character in Kill Bill. Never saw it. To embark, to embark on this subterranean sojourn, the suit-clad Donaldson was first lowered into the ground in a cutting-edge transparent coffin outfitted with water and food with some futuristic vampire accessories. They also equipped the human sarcophagus with cameras to both record the video and make sure nothing went awry. I'd get down in there for if, if, if 80 million people were watching and nothing w- would go awry. I'd, I'd, but... Finally, Donaldson had his buddies use an excavator to dump 200,000 pounds of dirt on top of the coffin, effectively sealing the YouTuber beneath the surface. I'm entrusting my life to this coffin for the next seven days, declared Donaldson while in the hibernation chamber. And he even had a great big uh, grave. Anyway, is he out of the dumb thing or what? Yeah, he's out. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, how much did he, does he get? Three to five million dollars per commercial. You know what that is? That's what they that's what they charge in the Super Bowl. In the Super Bowl. Think what you have to put on for the Super Bowl, a season of contest and defeat and triumph, and those two teams come together, and then you have this league, and they rent out a stadium, a stadium, and they have networks. <laughs> this guy he sets up a he sets up a GoPro in a coffin. He's getting three to five million. Man, we are in. We're going backwards, don't you think? We're in big trouble. Hi, Sandra. Oh, hi, Greg. You know, I want to. I want you to know, with your children. The fun gets better and better because you're going to be doing so many things that normally maybe you wouldn't be doing, so enjoy them, as I know you are. But I was talking about, I was thinking about Donald Trump. He continues to amaze me. He, he can multitask and he, he, do, he does so much and, and, and all at once. Like he went down to um, Texas. He met with Governor Abbott. He got endorsed by Governor Abbott, and he spent the whole time there with the soldiers, the troops, and all the other people that worked there. They were feeding them meals, and and, and Abbott said, you know, these people should be home for the holidays, but because of the administration that we have now, unfortunately, they all have to be there. And Trump was saying that when he becomes president, if he becomes president, he's going to do so much with this uh, immigration problem. And as I read, he has so many things that he's going to do. It's like he's working now. This is what I feel. Even though we don't see him so much, he's working behind the scenes. Don't yeah, all right. I mean, he's campaigning for president. He's campaigning. I mean, he's camp- He's running a presidential campaign. Look, I know he's got great energy. All right, but going down to Texas and endorsement and feeding the troops and all that stuff, this is what you do to become president. Granted, nobody does it like him. Uh, and there is that work ethic. But look, it's a campaign, and he's going to win. Thank you.